Hi there, George here from Jobsport. Before we start, we should mention that we'll discuss a topic that some of you may find triggering. Our guest today mentions being contacted by someone who contemplated killing themselves. If you become affected by the topic, there are details on where to get support at the end of the episode. We hope you enjoy. Dear Mr Hammett. Dear Miss Smith. Dear Mr Goldberg. Thank you for your Thank recent you for application to the role of assistant producer. We're currently reviewing all applications and we'll get, get back, back to you as soon, soon as we can. You can browse other vacancies at blah, 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 Due to the high volume of applications, we're writing to inform you that unfortunately we won't be taking your application any further. Hello everybody and welcome to the second Jobs Board episode of 2021. I'm Ollie Hammett. This is George Goldberg next to me. Hi. Well, not next to me, obviously, over, <laughs> a, over an audio recording platform <laughs> <laughs> many miles away. And also on the line with me is Bryony Smith. But I am also not next to you. Hello. No. <laughs> if only, guys. If, if only, only, yeah. Actually, I don't think I've seen either of you since. Bryony, I think I saw you last and it was in July. Yes, in the summer. Yeah, my birthday. Yes. God, that was yeah. a nice day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's right. Jobs Board is back for another week to take you through the jobs that have been frustrating us this week, dealing with lockdown. And also we've got a very special guest later on to talk about how they're using their initiative to try and get a journalism job. But first of all, Bryony, how have you been this week? I've been good, actually. It's been a bit of a strange one. Obviously, in light of coronavirus, as I alluded to last week, a lot of my shifts have kind of been cancelled or postponed, um, which is frustrating. But I did work on the weekend in London, which was great. Um, Very busy in terms of the news, what was happening. (laughs) So, yeah, it was good. And I'm also working this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. And one of the things that I wanted to mention is actually... Although we are in a lockdown at the moment, I don't know if you guys have found this, but there's actually a few journalism roles being advertised. For example, there's a couple of researcher roles um, at the moment. There's one with Jeremy Vine. There's Financial Times trainee programme at the moment. Um, I saw one role advertised as a parliamentary reporter for the House of Commons. Mm. So there's a few things out there, which is great, because I was really worried that a bit like when, when we had the lockdown in March last year, that when it was announced that everything was going to be put on hold again. Can you remember getting the emails, um, the uh, yeah. opening of everything <laughs> being cancelled and everything postponed to like an indefinite date? And I was a bit worried that that was going to happen again. But it doesn't seem to be the case, which is really promising. Because obviously news is still carrying on. But last time they literally put the brakes on. Yeah, I remember lockdown two, whenever that started, I really can't remember. Um, November one yeah the November one we did an episode and we talked about how few jobs had been completely shut down yeah and I don't know if that was because of Christmas as well and they were like well there's no point getting someone in now because it's going to be the Christmas holidays it's going to be New Year it's going to be disruptive and maybe they've held fire until this sort of January period the beginning of the new year new Mm. new year new you new job <laughs> it's funny you say they put on the brakes back then because it almost felt like they were going into reverse. Like the amount of people that I saw were leaving, particularly like big organisations like the BBC, I saw they were leaving that, and that's that was a bit scary watching as a a young journalism graduate that you're trying to get into an entry level and you're seeing a lot of very experienced journalists leave the workplace. At that time, it was a bit like whoa. So it is a bit more of a that's so time. true. A lot of organisations obviously got rid of their freelancers and permanent members of staff. They made redundant. So, yeah, that's so true what you're saying. But that doesn't seem to be happening this time around, which is great. <laughs> They're still recruiting. Yeah, that's yeah, a nice relief for everybody. I yeah. think. Um, although I suppose that means that, yeah, it, it widens the, the competition, which is obviously a good thing. Just the fact of not being able to sort of go in and and schmooze people or you know wait outside the building for people to come out which I've heard people talk about doing but never actually known anybody to do. Did you see on Twitter that um, someone put their CV on a car and parked it outside of BBC Radio 1? That's amazing. Was there 
they that when you say they like under the windscreen wiper? No, they're or... like at, like on the actual roof of a car. So wow. like you have to view it from like a couple stories up uh, <laughs> to like look is out the window and look down. But what was worse is there were loads of spelling and typing oh, errors on it. No. Oh so... no. But you've got to admire the uh, the commitment there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it also makes me think they're maybe not a very good journalist if they can't spell. Well, well sorry, that's harsh, but I mean maybe they've got a new computer and the settings were in American and <laughs> Are you saying are you saying they, their computer is in the roof of their car? No, 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 no. <laughs> As in I'm assuming they printed it off. A bit like when you see people go, you know, on holiday and they print off their boarding pass in like. Uh, huge... I was I was thinking of a paint job, a graffiti. Yeah, style it thing. was like it. No, it was like a prop. Um, so you know, almost like a on like buses, or like big double decker buses. Like they might have like some like stickers or like on like airplanes. You know, they've got like British Airways. Like the, those are all like almost massive stickers on the side. Uh, like, yeah, that was right on the <clears> top. Um, I get you. What they should have done, you know, when uh, you know when you get like really dirty white vans and kids write in the dirt and they write "clean me," they should have parked a dirty white van outside and just written "hire me." <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say write their whole CV in little finger, like. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, it shows you're willing to get your hands dirty, quite literally. Uh... <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> Also, just the logistics of trying to park your car outside the road yeah. building. Like, yeah, it's not an easy place to get to. There's not any parking around there, really. You've got to pay congestion charge. Mm. Uh, presumably, I, was it their car? Like, how did they get home? I'll have to find the tweet for you, Ollie. I have, I have no, no idea about I, it. I have so many questions. But I maybe, so... maybe it was a hire car that they stuck their CV on it and they were like, I'm now going out home. <laughs> <laughs> they just paid the deposit and they took yeah. that hit and then, <laughs> and then ran off. Actually, let me find the find the tweet. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right, Bryony. They've actually printed it. Yeah. And the QR code takes you to a video of them on YouTube. So what lengths do you think you two would go to to try and get a job? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I think there's something to be made of posing as a window cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> and then doing essentially what this young man did. But, uh, you know what I mean? Just sort of rolling it onto the window. Oh, yeah. Like when you get the... Um... I was going to say when you get the the wallpaper paste, you know, like sticking it on. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, well, I mean, failing that, you could always sneak into the BBC at night and just redo the wallpaper with your CV. <laughs> yes, that's an option. <laughs> I think I would go down the Shawshank Redemption route and just keep emailing them every day. <laughs> really annoyed with me. If there was ever a real life example of crawling through a tunnel full of shit, <laughs> it's it's applying for a job. <laughs> yes. I have kind of used that technique before where I just keep emailing until I eventually someone is just like, oh, God, this girl, why won't you go away? <laughs> and they just like re- respond to me. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably keep doing that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, it's... I tested and, and worked. So. <laughs> I wanted to give you guys an update on my work from home situation. Oh, yes, do. In case people weren't listening last week, I've been a naughty boy and accidentally got a job. Um, and I've been working from home since the beginning of January, and it's going well. Um, but I thought I'd fill you in on uh, a little incident I had on Monday, um, where so my company very very kindly um, agreed to get me some stuff to be able to work from home with. So I've got like a microphone, and I'm getting um, a company laptop and things like that. And I also got an office chair, which Ooh. was delivered. Ooh, yeah. Very nice office chair. It's really cool. It's blue, which is my favorite color. So it's all good. Um, and oh, and it's also got it's got one of those very high backs. So when my flatmate walks in, I can turn around and go like, "Good evening." I've been expecting. Exactly. If only we had a cat. Mm. Maybe you should get one just for those moments. <laughs> yeah, the chair is obviously big, and it came in a massive cardboard box. Absolutely huge. 
And I took it all out and put the chair together and I looked at the cardboard box and I thought, I reckon I could fit in there. <laughs> you are very tall, Ollie. I'm, yeah, for listen, I'm six foot four and uh, large, I would describe myself as. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to sit down in that box. So I did and I sat down in the box and I went, oh, I do fit in the box. This is great. Okay, great. And then I couldn't get up. Uh, no. Uh, because my arm, like my armpits were resting on the edge of the box. So anytime, anytime I tried to push myself up, I just, it really hurt. So I didn't know what to do. And then um, what should happen? But I get a call from my boss on Teams <laughs> and my laptop is still on the table and I can hear the kind of boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. And I'm like, oh no. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't stand up. So I didn't know what to do. So I just, um, I just leaned to the right and tipped the whole box over. <laughs> and so then I was just lying on my side, but I still couldn't get out. <laughs> Uh, so I eventually just had to kind of go Brah! like the Hulk and um, break the box open. So I lost a very cool cardboard box in the name of my job. <laughs> Ollie, you are just a living cat. I don't think you need to get one. I think that's what. <laughs> Should I curl up on my own lap? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on from my adventures in the world of cardboard boxes, it's time to get back on the jobs track. For this week and say hello to our guest Aaron Spencer. Are you there, Aaron? Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Great to have you, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. As good as lockdown can be, really, just in the solitude of the house, trying to remain positive and can uh productive, but you know, it's one of the, you can have some of them days sometimes, can't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we all know what that's like. Um are you at home on your own at the moment or? Uh, no, I'm currently living in Cornwall with my boyfriend, so it's a lot more happier place than Birmingham. With our walks, we can go through all different beaches that they have to offer and stuff like that. So it's not it's a lot nicer down here. I could be in a lot worse places right now for lockdown. So I'm really enjoying it. That's great. Whereabouts in Cornwall are you? I'm currently. So I don't think you have any anyone who have an idea where it's based. So we're in Goonhaven, but it's near Perranporth and like ten minutes away from Newquay. Oh. So all the like, the holiday destinations. So we are really like the centre of lots of different places. So it's actually really fun. There's lots of places that we can visit and go on walks, as I say, for our daily exercise, as Boris allows us. <laughs> I can testify the perks of having a Cornish boyfriend myself because uh, it is great on getting a Cornish pasty. No, yeah. Just going yeah. to the coast. <laughs> just like oh, uh, that was something I was in not my Tinder bio. To be fair, yeah, <laughs> my credentials are Cornish pasty. But yeah, I feel you. I feel you. That's uh, brilliant. Cornish yeah. pasty in a walk. What do yeah. you mean? Honestly, <laughs> but it's a novelty for I think us non-Cornish people. But if you say it to someone from Cornwall, it's just like, oh, there's. It's, it's part and parcel of uh, life yeah. for them. So yeah, they're just so used to it. Yeah, it's incredible. Aaron, we've got you on this week because you very kindly got in touch with us. But um, we wanted to talk to you about how your job hunt was going and what initiatives you've been taking to sort of try and try and stand out from other candidates. I think a lot of people are really struggling right now with finding jobs, being laid off, being made redundant for those jobs. You could be in a secure enough job as you thought going into this. You could be in a really high position, but everyone has found vulnerable due to the circumstances we are with coronavirus, cutting people's off and so many different places are having to lose staff because of it and our sadly business are going under as well. And I feel so many people are caught in my current situation. I'm sure we all can relate to that. We all literally just want to get our step in the door like the worst thing is about having nothing to look forward to in lockdown like we've got nowhere to be and we don't feel like we can place ourselves anywhere like we can't don't know what we're offering to like the universe like I want to like get up and know that I'm going to do something to help somebody or something productive to look forward to I just feel it's in a certain situation that we're all in is that everyone's just lost that determination everyone's lost that side of themselves that they really appreciate and it's going to take a lot to build up again and this is how we everyone currently looking for jobs, getting constant rejections from positions that they think they are probably overqualified for because there's so much competition right now. I'd say it's over 
two times to ten times the amount of applicants as usual. I think the competition is as stiff as it possibly is right now for jobs. And for people, I fear for people who are just leaving university who have not kind of got the experience of people a few years down the line because they're going to struggle so much and they're going to be this gap where they've just finally left university, like this is going to be my first step into the workplace. But they've just constantly had these delays and delays and we don't know when that opportunity is ever going to come. And I feel that's what... I'm currently stuck in this spiral where a lot of people are right now, where they don't know where the next step is and what the next stage of their life is going to entail. I'm just going along for each day and just doing everything that I can in the meantime to make sure I remain productive and I put my mental health first. So that's how I currently see my situation right now looking for jobs. I'm not going to take one rejection and then let it get down to me. I know that I just have to keep on doing it all I can do every day to know what I want and to take the next step. Well, that, I mean, that's, yeah, that's such a brilliant attitude to take. Um, and it's great that you've got the, that you've been able to sort of convince yourself of that as well. Um, what, for some people listening who may find that more difficult and, um, you know, you talk about imposter syndrome and lack of confidence, what are some ways that you've managed to sort of maintain that, as it were? Well, the first thing you do is a reality check everyone's going to have a down day. There's days that I'm just like, I just don't have any productivity in me. I just want to lounge around. I don't want to go out for a walk because the weather's cold. I'll try and make any excuse that I possibly can to try and avoid these certain situations that I don't want to do, but I need to, to remain focused. So I just want to put clear that everyone has a down day. So if you feel like you can't do something on a day, don't let it get too much to you and make sure you just do extra the next day and just try and stay on track as much as you can take it by little bits don't do it don't when you finger all these different targets that you want to hit but like for new year's resolutions that just came that i'm sure we've all got that we're definitely going to stick to um but i think that <laughs> there's so there's big targets that kind of fear you and take so you've just got to make sure that you hit your daily targets little it down that like i've got from my different followers on social media i want to grow my social media just gain 10 followers a day, that will soon add up. Try and at least get some draft ideas for articles I want to write and then slowly get it through the process that way and reach out to one person to get an interview and so on. Um, I just feel there's certain little tasks you can do that will make everything just seem a lot less pressure. If you want to apply for one job today, there might be a job that you just have to go like send on Indeed, just like click, send. That might be enough for one day. But then one, there might be another process. So you've got to do a whole fact check. They want their own cover letter that you need to designate straight to them. They've got their own questions and you have to do that, your CV and all your employment history and so on, because people are like that. Um, so I feel that there's certain things that you can just tackle each day. You can have like a priorities list. And that's how I kind of set my preferences of what I'm going to achieve each day. by just knowing exactly from the get go what I want to achieve by the end of the day. I think the point of setting yourself sort of manageable goals is a really good tip and point that people should take on because I think it can be really overwhelming, especially, and George has mentioned this before, you know, if you've got the dream job that you really want to do, realistically, probably the first position that you get is probably not going to be the dream job. You've Mm -hmm. kind of got to build up to it. And I think there is a lot of pressure, especially if you start to see, you know, colleagues or or peers or people that you went to university with start to get things that gets to you to you more mm-hmm. and you're like oh why can't I get anything why is it so frustrating you know, why am I only getting rejections so yeah I think you know keeping that focus as you say setting measurable goals and you mentioned sort of keeping that positive mindset and you know making sure that you're looking after your mental health mm-hmm. as well as sort of focusing on work and I think that's so important at the moment especially during lockdown Exactly. And I think there's something that I said about being prepared, but there's certain situations that are going to completely throw you and you're just not going to expect to ever happen. It might be good news and it might be bad news. We can't you never know what it's going to be, but you can't always prepare for what's going to come the next day. And I think it's always just so long with you can prepare as much as you want, but always keep an open mind. I think that's the main thing that you need to believe that things are going to go wrong. There might be technical difficulties like me joining this call, but there will always be ways to work around it you've just got to make sure you keep your cool and they said take your mental health first and focus on your own health and know that you want to do is because you want it to happen basically yeah exactly now Aaron, one of the things you've done in lockdown is start your own publication uh do you want to talk us through that a bit (laughs) okay 
it's a long story short. Um, <laughs> basically, I'm going to start with the sad side of it, is the fact that I always obviously want to be a writer, so I did journalism at University of Derby, but I never really want to go down that line. I don't know. I want to do sort of writing and sort of English-based work. And I didn't want, the one thing I've always want, never wanted to do is freelancing. I don't. I want a steady job where I can make sure that I get a paycheck. I know exactly what I'm doing. I just want to be comfortable. So when I left university in 2019, I started becoming trainee teacher. And that was what I wanted to do. But then sadly, in October of my first uh, month in the job, my best friend who I lived with for the last three years passed away suddenly oh. in her sleep. And basically, I was with her for the whole last week. She stayed at my house. And then the one day she went home, she passed away. So it really like hit me. I couldn't get told at school. So I had to wait like when I got home, my friend came around and told me that she passed away. And it really just hit me like a lot. I've had deaths in my family a lot, but I've never had someone so close to me personally that I've literally lived through my biggest years of my life. So sort of coming out with this person has helped me so much and grow as a person just to be taken away so instantly. And that just like really knocked me back. And I started writing stuff for Jess and on of her, I wrote a poem that I did for a funeral and I wrote a GoFundMe and raised £2,500 for a funeral as well. Um, I started getting a love for writing more and I couldn't go, I couldn't help and teach the kids when I returned to school because I couldn't help myself get out of bed. So I just had to say, I, I don't, they were, they were perfect. The school was amazing. They were very supportive. Everyone was there for me, speaking to me uh, independently. Um, but I just went, I can't, I can't get out of bed right now to speak to anybody. And they said, okay, but we have to have a month's notice. And I was like, fair enough. But then they came, spoke to me at the end of the day and went, look, we spoke to the headmaster and he says, you can leave whenever you want. There's no need for notice, which I'm very thankful for them and how kind they were. So I go to the end of the week and then I started writing more. And then my New Year's resolution was to actually start writing and having focus on journalism a bit. So I wrote my 2019, how it was literally the best year of my life. Went to my first Pride uh, festivals. I went to, uh, graduated, um, but then it all just came crashing down. My best friend died. So I then, so I then started writing it, writing my 2019 the stories about my mental health and how it's deteriorated. And it was just more as a diary. I just thought, oh, I'm going to look back at this in like six months time and be like, this is, I, I hopefully I've come far from this. No one was going to know what the shit show of fucking 2020 was going to be like. But, um, <laughs> but at that point, I was optimistic. Um, so I looked back then and then I thought, okay, I want to see my progress. But then I put it on Twitter and then someone got in touch with me and he was and he messaged me and he said that he was contemplating committing suicide yesterday. And he, re he read my blog and it really inspired him and helped him a lot. And it like it just really spoke out to me that my words can actually help people. And that was like a big thing for me. So I just started writing more stories. And then I wrote about my coming out story because it was very peculiar, not like much stereotypical coming out stories. And I thought that would have that got a lot of traction. And then I started thinking, I've got LGBTQ plus content that people are willing to read. And then it got good attention and then it got to a point where I was like no um there's not much I can say about myself this has become so much more than just my story I want to make it about everyone's story so that's when it comes to like July when I thankfully changed my name from mental health facts figures and fascination because you know that is going to really catch on too proudly <laughs> too proudly so that's why um I started doing an LGBTQ blog and the one thing that I always thought as a journalist was at, when I was at uni that I don't know any LGBTQ plus journalists, only the ones that are known for being stereotypical and bad. So I started doing a whole series. I wrote a tweet out saying I'm open to listening to journalists and telling their story about from all walks of media. If you're a cameraman, if you're a screen presenter, if you're a sportsman, anyone in the media, I want to speak to you. And it kind of got a bit of traction, a bit of people just wanting for like local papers. And then I started just growing and growing. And I'm very thankful that I've got to speak to some really inspiring people who I look up to very well. And I've learned so much about the LGBTQ plus community from starting proudly. And I've been able to branch out and do many different articles. And I've had so many different people collaborate with me as well that I'm just so happy it's just no longer my story. 
it's become their stories and I feel like I've kind of grown a following on social media I feel like people I've had they rely on my content and they look forward to me posting it and it's just knowing that I'm creating something that helps people and I think that's the biggest reward of all for me like I might it's literally just a passion project but to me it's so much more than that because I know the foundations it was built on and I know where it can go to that's absolutely incredible like what an amazing to have gone from you know where you were and what made you start writing about these things in the first place to to how you've evolved evolved probably it's absolutely incredible and a real um example to all of us I think I'm interested in your investigations how is the representation of um LGBTQ plus people in the media I think mainstream media it's not most notably known as I said when I was at university I don't know if it's different for you but for me I didn't know I couldn't name five definitely I couldn't have named five LGBTQ plus journalists so for me I think we are growing I'm not trying to say like everyone should be an LGBTQ plus journalist I think that I just want them to know that there are people that are not held back because of it I want them to be able to be who they are and not be afraid to hold back. And I feel there's so much great people that are thriving in the media right now. Like people I've interviewed on for my blog, where such as like Joe Curry, who's a BBC sport reporter, John Holmes, who's an editor for Sky Sports. I haven't interviewed him. I think his name's Ben Hunt from BBC. He's the BBC LGBTQ plus uh, reporter. And even in Cornwall here, that he does a BBC sport podcast LGBT plus sport podcast it's Jack Murley who also does BBC Radio Cornwall as well I think there's so many different people from all different walks of life who are from the LGBT community thriving um sports wise there's obviously female sports it's still very we're just tapping the water a bit we're putting our finger uh toe tattoos into the water if that's the word um so I feel like the sports world is a complete different industry for representation I think there's still many people that we are still needing to get more representation and raise our voices but even for I did proudly I did a post about how I suffered homophobic abuse when I was playing football growing up but I've noticed from doing my research and speaking to all these amazing people within sports there's so many different LGBTQ plus fan bases in every single team I'm very good friends with the runners of um, Charlton and Victor which is the LGBTQ uh, Charlton. I'm a part of Newcastle with Pride, which I'm a sport of Newcastle. Um, I think there's so many different uh, Villa and Proud as well. So I know that there is there is people in these fan bases and in these across the media. We are here. We might not be as vocal and known in the mainstream, but we are here. And I think that's what Proud has helped me know is that we are not alone. There are so many people who went through the similar things who are like you, who have broke down barriers and they have made a difference and we are getting noticed and I think that is a big thing and a big step that we've taken over the last few years for sure. Yeah that is brilliant Uh, you just named a few sports journalists there you've interviewed who I wasn't even aware of I didn't even know that was a thing in sports journalism to be honest with you because it's such a it's perceived as such a uh, well straight cis um, arena but obviously it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I think with John Holmes as well, he's one of, he was one of my first people I interviewed. I'm very lucky to have spoken with John Holmes and become friends with him. He's such a lovely person and he works in Sky, obviously, and he's helped Sky build as well. And he runs Sports Media LGBT, which is all different sports, uh, all different about representation in sports for LGBT community, uh, community. And he's like helped build that and recognise. And I think that's sort of a mainstream thing that people aren't recognising that that is such a big thing. What you don't know until you enter the LGBT plus community, it's like another world. Like you like it's like a, a game add on. Like you see so much <laughs> different things that you never saw before. Cause literally you're just getting you put into this new because when I came out, I thought, oh, it's gonna be people that are similar to me. And then I started following more LGBT plus people and it was like a whole different world. It was like I was just shocked. It was like I thought like you'd have like I, I don't know I can't word it. It was just literally it was like everything was filtered towards that, and it was just like we've all got our own different roles as well. It's just a whole different. I can completely understand what you're saying, Aaron. About it is such a broad church between the 
LGBTQ plus community because I think if you just say that you are a gay man based on what people have consumed in the media through tropes of gay men is a very two-dimensional image on I'm not personally someone who paints my nails or I think you can look at me and go like I'm not particularly gay but I am and but that still doesn't make me any less gay from someone that is um, that does do those type of things but there is such a wide diversity within that community and it is really important that you put these voices of journalists up there on a platform to show that you don't necessarily need to be doing this one thing you don't need to act like this um because i think that it's definitely with coming out you've got to come out to yourself first before you can come out to others and it is it is a heck of a lot easier when you see people like yourself so now looking back at how you started uh proudly what things might you do differently or what things would you recommend to people who are thinking about possibly starting up their own personal blog or their own magazine website what things would you recommend to our our listeners so i think the first thing you need before you do a blog is you have to make sure you have a passion for it because you're going to get so bored of doing the same thing every single day if you don't love what you're doing so if it's not about a passionate project for you then you're not going to be interested and it's just your content is going to show that way. You're going to, as I said, I started mine very passionately because it was about my story. But I think if I would have started it off just as proudly, I wouldn't know where to go or how I'd take it. So I think I just kind of looked at things that I'm personally passionate about, which at first for me was representation. So one thing I want to know is that I kind of, and I haven't really said this openly before, but it was kind of helping me both ways that when I was doing the LGBTQ plus people in the media, it was one, helping get their stories out, but two, a valuable lesson you need to learn in journalism is you need contacts. So for me, it really was double win for me because I literally had great stories. I was getting released, getting some personal stories getting told. And at the same time, I was making friends and contacts in very good areas within the business. That is fantastic advice for our listeners, I think. So you know what's what's everyone waiting for really i've got a question from one of our listeners so this is from joe harvey hello my name is joe harvey i'm a freelance sports journalist Uh, my question for aaron is which of his modules at university did he feel helped prepare him best for saying it proudly and establishing it as a brand on social media and you know within the lgbtq plus community cheers i think multimedia as i said my whole thing is on blog and i think everyone's got to get used to it this whole new world of living in lockdown everything is done virtually there is going to be mishaps i think i've learned big thing about seo and what times you need to post certain stuff hashtags you need to use and how important interaction with your audience is i learned a lot of valuable things i had to write a bloody like five thousand word essay on it so i bloody know the in-depth literally it has helped me in certain ways it's helped me growing confidence because literally every week they were like okay can you go outside and do a vox pop people of derby are not excited and don't want me winded in the bloody microphone about what the bloody council is doing today so i think my confidence grew a lot from just literally having to speak to people like some yeah some days you have your off days but like i think just kind of multimedia helped me a lot but also all the audio and all the visual news days that we've done the practical side of journalism to know that it just kind of gave us confidence boost and know, and know that with me at multimedia as well, like social media is really a powerful thing. Like you legit, you don't know what your reach is going to be. I think that is quite scary that you don't know the capabilities of what your content can do and what it, where it can go. It can literally go anywhere across the world. I think a big thing for me is that I still get shocked, as I said earlier, about you can prepare for everything there's going to be something that's going to hit you straight back that you're not even going to expect whatsoever so when literally I was doing my content I was thinking okay I had like 20 views that day I was like I'm having a bit of a down day like I know why is why I'm even bothering no one's even reading my content but then I literally got on Twitter and the person who DM'd me was Surrey McKellen saying that he's ready yeah (laughs) Surrey McKellen's a fan of my blog and I was literally like Oh my God, like one of the 20 views was Surrey and McKellen. 
Wow. What, what, how do you even react to that? That's I, uh, after I screenshot it and said it to my friends, I then, <laughs> took, I then took a top moment just to be like, okay, I need to make sure I sound professional and just calm so I don't get overwhelmed. So I think that was a big thing, knowing that I had my down days and knowing that I've had certain people like Sorry McCohen read my blog. What really a mean. great name drop moment. Just <laughs> know. keep using that. <laughs> wow, I think that's so cool. And uh, hopefully when we look at the, the stats of, of Jobs Board, the metrics, that maybe there's a couple of famous people listening in. Fingers crossed. Finally, how can our listeners, if they wish to get involved, do so if they want to get involved with making content for yourself? Well, we're very open to ideas and concepts of people. Uh, as I said, we are, it's not just a one-man operation right now. We've had loads of great contributors who are sharing their personal stories. It's all the way to news stories. And I've always said to people, you can contact us directly. All of our DMs are open across our social media pages. And we've said, oh, well, I've said, I'm trying to start talking a third person. Um, I've said that my DMs are always open for, if you want me to reach out to somebody to interview, you can use the proudly... Uh, twitter account and we will direct message them as long as you write a draft message we will send it to them and we'll leave it all to you you can share your story we just want to play our part and give you a platform our whole thing about priority is we want to give you a voice and we want to share the stories that the mainstream media won't we want to give everyone a voice to the lgbtq plus community and i think it's something so important because this as i said it's the foundation this blog gave me a voice and it gave me a stage to share my stories and now it's my time to give back and give it to you and share the, all the different stories from all people at university who want to get their add stuff to their portfolio, all these celeb interviews and so on. We want to help you, and you can direct message us on any social media page, obviously Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as well. Okay, I think it's about time we moved it on now and had a little look at Aaron's CV. Ooh. <laughs> Thank, thanks for that reaction, George. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is the section of the show where we examine our guests' CV with the help of our applicant tracking system, which is, if you're applying for a job um, online, is what pretty much all the major companies are going to be using to screen your CV. And now I'm going to hand over to Mr. CVs himself, George Goldberg, who should be in the other corner. Uh, so, yes, thank you very much, Ollie. Um, last week, uh, so the first episode of uh, series two, we had Tim come on and uh, he got a very respectable 66 out of 100. So it placed him joint seventh. Uh, so we'll do a quick rundown of the leaderboard. So we've currently got um, our leader from last series, Joe, in first place with 78 points. We then got Sammy with 77 points in second. And then now starts becoming all, all the clustering. So we've got Naya and Ollie, who are in joint third place with 75 points. And in last place, bless him, we've got Ollie Smith with 60 points at ninth. Okay, without further ado, George, how has Aaron got so, on? So, let me press the big shiny button. Aaron got out of 100, 81. Oh my God! <laughs> so we now have a new leader on our jobs board. Leaderboard. I was going to say, if I did really bad, then just ignore all the advice that I gave for the last 30 minutes, because <laughs> I know nothing. Um, is, that, is that the first person to go over? It is sure? indeed. Oh my god! And then some wow. with eighty-one. So uh, nice work. Every one counts. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what's so good about it, George? Uh, so, yes, let's work through it. So, your document was edited within the last two months. Thankfully, everyone who submitted their CV to us of Jobsboard has done this. But uh, robots like to prioritise recent documents because it shows that you've actually bothered to submit something up to date to people. It's found your name in the title actually as the file name, because uh, that's always a good standard practice going like first name, second name, CV. Moving on to the presentation, um, it likes your length. Um, it says that you've got a good amount of words on there. You don't have too many 
Um, it recommends no more than 800, which you're perfectly fine with that. Um, font types and sizes and colors, it's fine with that on yours, which a lot of people seem to um, struggle with theirs. Uh, the robots doesn't seem to like. You've got a good amount of ratio between text and white space. Structure-wise, it can find your sections. Your section layout is um, also the order that it's in is also good. Moving on to the actual content, uh, can find all the important things such as your phone, your email. One thing though that um, you might want to consider is um, popping in a LinkedIn. Um, I know you've got your proudly um, URL, but possibly that might be something um, that when you start amassing your portfolio, you could possibly start putting links onto. So that's um, maybe one aspect that you could do. Um, your education bits and bobs, it can all find. Um, and your work experience, you can find your jobs. Uh, one thing that it does recommend you having though, is um, a personal profile section. However, this is on your CV. And I think the only thing that you need to get around this is you've called it objective. So it might be you just changing that word to profile, summary, um, personal statement type thing. Um, but it is on there on your actual CV. Um, I just don't think it's being quite smart enough to realize um, it's the same thing there. Uh, then moving on to your skills, um, it thinks that you've got a wide range of skills. Uh, it can find loads of employability skills, such as campaigning, communicating, presenting, publicizing. Oh, I can go on. Uh, I can make a whole other podcast with me just reading all of those off. Lots of employability skills, um, those found on organization and planning, leadership and management. Um, a couple of things that I mention every single time, um, spelling for uh, really niche um, journalism um, words. So in this instance, you've got, um, is it pronounced Gorkana? Is that how you say it? The Yeah, yeah so um, Gorkana, um, which I'd say that some journalism people know, some people don't, but it's obviously not a standard English uh, word. Um, personal descriptions, you've got things confident, creative, proficient, strong, um, and a lot of action words these really help build a positive image of the person behind the CV. Good sentence length, uh, readability, you've got a very low amount of glue words. So these are um, words such as on, the, in, of, they're kind of mostly filler words. So um, if you're looking for things to cut down, but yours is fine. And last um, but not least, um, your CV is in the recommended um, width of time. Uh, between two and three minutes that it should take. So, uh, how does that make you feel? Um, well, I'm number one, baby. Like that, as good <laughs> yeah. as it can get. Um, I mean, you're, you know, you're Usain Bolt. You're like literally. So I'll pick me up for today. Like that's really boosting my. Confidence. <laughs> you're most welcome. <laughs> it's been the most motivated voice in the last hour of my like, my whole lockdown period. Literally. Yeah. Um, okay. Brilliant. Well done, Aaron. And. Uh, next up, we've got three alternative careers for you. We're sure from talking to you today that you're going to go on to do great things, but just in case journalism doesn't work out, uh, we're going to suggest a few jobs for you, and we'd like you to pick one of them, please. Uh, so, who would like to go first? I want to go first because I've learned Ooh. never. Yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> you never go first. Don't <laughs> So I'm not that confident with my job this oh, week, so oh. I think I'll go last. <laughs> okay. uh, well, this might be another tangent Goldberg moment. So um, I've noticed on your CV that you've got the phrase using SEO, so search engine optimization, to organically grow views. So, <laughs> no. so, so I, saw, I saw the word organically. <laughs> I saw organically there. Um, so my job for you is an organic objects conservator at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Oh, okay, I better. Have, I could have told <laughs> you were going to say organic potato farmer. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I had in my head. <laughs> I did. I, I, I was tempted to go for something like organic cheese or something, but no. So. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be farm shop vibes. Actually, <laughs> yeah. really good museum. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, so they're looking for someone to join their team on helping redisplay the collection there. Um, they've got a wide range of um, objects and materials. Um, and then you sort of 
help preserve and prevent these um, items deteriorating. And most of them are made up of sort of mixed material objects. So they, they need regularly reviewing. So uh, I don't know whether you've ever been to the uh, V&A Museum of Childhood, but uh, does this sound like it could persuade you? Um, I'll hear the other. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll make, make a decision. I think it's only fair. Because that was oh, very, that was, I appreciate that. That was very, you looked really into my TV and I appreciate that. I, that was something. So I really appreciate that, but I think it's only fair that I hear. Aaron's super like George. We can't take anything away from George's effort when it comes to his jobs. Um, mine's uh more normal i think um you uh you mentioned earlier aaron that you are a fan of newcastle united yeah um and i i actually found this out through tw- uh looking at your twitter earlier when you tweeted yesterday hashtag bruce out um but anyway i've found jobs uh as box staff at st james's park um, so in anticipation of fans returning to football yeah. <laughs> um, they are looking for people to work boxes I can say that I've done this before not in St James's Park but at other places mm. and it is very fun you get very good tips you get um, tips? And you basically, you, I did you get not tips, know that so, oh, yeah, I, got, I got a £40 tip the last oh. one I did as well as getting paid I once, uh, um, I once spoke to you know when you go to like the O2 and go see like a concert or a gig. These the <laughs> weird things called gigs. I don't know if you heard of them. Uh, <laughs> what? You mean you music, yeah, but they're playing live music. music live. No, bizarre. Anyway, so the people that are obviously like ushering there. Um, I once spoke to one of the people that were working, and they were like, "Oh, it's so cool because you get to like watch the the live music." And I always think that'd be such a great job to do. Get to see like your favorite artist for free, and you just make yeah. everyone's like sat down during the concert. I could do that. That's, I did. I did exactly the same thing. Oh, I'm a, I, like I was um not so much anymore, but I used to be quite a big fan of the band Muse. Oh yeah. And I I saw I was working for a hospitality company, and I saw Muse were playing the O2, and I went, yeah, get me in there. And I was a box waiter, and I got to watch the whole concert for free, and just sort of sell a few beers. Hmm, lovely. Yeah, you, you know, you you might get to meet like Andy Carroll or. Oh, God, that is the dream. God, you are really selling it to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I think Ollie might have it in the bag here. What have you got, Bryony? So I looked at your CV and noticed, obviously, that you've done um, teaching work, which you obviously mentioned. I also looked at what you studied um, and where you grew up. So this role is actually based in Birmingham, and I'm not sure if that is just automatically a no, because obviously you're not <laughs> <laughs> You've already left, you've already escaped. Um, but I looked and saw that you did drama, but drama wasn't your strong point. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you rekindle your love of drama and become a drama teacher. Rekindle my love Yeah, I like that idea. I did actually want to be a drama teacher when I was younger. I actually loved it. It was my favourite subject in secondary school. But then I started doing it for A-level and it was a whole different ball game. Well, in terms of what they're looking for, they're looking for someone who is extremely passionate. I definitely think you tick that box. Um, someone who is confident and they want someone who's able to sort of interact with the kids, inspire them, create and prepare lesson plans, which I'm sure you probably um, were involved with yeah. in your last role. And just making sure everyone is, you know, they, t- they talk about being vigilant at all times and making sure that they're safeguarding and the kids are all safe but I think I don't know if you guys did this but I studied drama at school and we as part of our it was like an extracurriculum thing we used to take drama classes for the younger years and uh, one of my favorite games I did I just used to make them play sleeping lions because that would be <laughs> oh, like it's, um, only, it's only until the age of about 17 to realise that that was a ploy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but everyone, everyone would want to be the one, like, the last sleeping lion. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's my job today. Thank you. There's some really great suggestions, guys. I am really spoilt for choice. Like, all different areas for different sectors. Like, you really have done your homework for a range of different things that I didn't even think of before today. So, <laughs> thank you. You really are. I think she's gonna like wake up tomorrow. And be like, yes, I'm gonna do all of these. I'm gonna plug. Yeah. 
I can't even name the one that George recommended. <laughs> <laughs> I think that says uh, where you stand on my organic something. <laughs> oh god. Um, but yeah, if you had to choose one, Aaron, what would it be? I think we saved the best to last. To be honest, I think. What? Only you Ooh. win. I think personally, I win because that is actually something I actually wanted to do at one point. I've had enough in life through uni and college in the hospitality sector. I kind of want to move on, but I, I think can that's a that. new adventure. And I think that is something. And I wanted to go teaching. So, Ronnie, I think you were the best suggestion, personally. Wow, well done, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh god well thank you so much for choosing my job no problem thank you for recommending it so you know me you got into my head this is what you guys do and this is what you thrive in okay uh that's pretty much all we've got time for on joel's board this week but before then i'm gonna hand over to Bryony with our job of the week so our job of the week this week is the production training scheme with Channel 4. They've got various different locations. They've got Leeds, Manchester, Birmingham, Bristol, Cardiff, North Wales, Belfast and Glasgow. And it's for people passionate about television, who have bags of enthusiasm and as the title suggests, it's a training scheme. So they're looking for someone who is able to work as a researcher. So interested in all aspects of television, got a keen eye for detail. And in terms of criteria that they're looking for, it just says uh, competent in a range of IT software such as um, Microsoft Office, Outlook, good organisational and time management skills, um, a desire to build a career in television. And it just seems like you're going to get so much exposure and hopefully, you know, this will just lead on to more and better, greater things for you. So, yeah, that's our job of the week. Very nice. Everybody get applying for that. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Uh, thank you again to Aaron for being our guest this week. Really, really brilliant to hear from you. Um, and I hope you've inspired a lot of our listeners to sort of do their own thing while they're struggling on the jobs front. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, as for us, we'll be back next week with another edition of Jobs Board. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jobs Board. And if you want to get in touch with the show, email us at hello.jobsboard at gmail.com. From George Goldberg, it's goodbye. Goodbye. From Bryony Smith, it's goodbye. Goodbye. From me, Ollie Hammett, it's goodbye as well. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to JobSport. If you've been affected by the topics raised in this episode, then please contact Samaritans by calling 116 123 or by going to samaritans.org.